Hello and welcome to the Metapod, the Pokemon TCG podcast that revolves around the evolving meta, but also the revolving world. I just want to real quick before we get started, give a quick shout out to Sean for, you know, this is the post world championships podcast. We're going to be talking about the recent Pokemon world championships that just happened over the weekend. If you're listening to this recording when it released and Sean, for anyone who can't see on YouTube or Spotify, tell tell us about the uh, life situation that you're in right now. I mean, that you make it sound. Well, so, yeah, I know, uh, <laughs> but just go with it. Just go with it. <laughs> yeah, I'll go with it. I'll go with it. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah I am. Uh, those of you who can see, you can see that I'm not in my fancy studio in my house. I am actually in uh, in Korea at the moment, and but. I knew I was flying to Korea over World's Weekend, and I was like, we will not miss this episode of the pod. I really wanted us, well, we both really wanted to have a two-person podcast for the first podcast after World. So, again, big shout-out to Sean for bringing unnecessary equipment during his vacation. You know, should be relaxing, but we've got work to do. And uh, I, you probably didn't watch too much of World's just because, you know, you're I, flying and traveling. I, You'd be surprised. I watched some on Thursday, on Friday, a little bit on Saturday, and I watched the Masters final last night. Oh, you yeah, you were watching it at a like relatively normal time because Korea is much closer to Japan in terms of time than, or I'm sorry, London. Is it close in time to London, or is it actually no? no? What's but the time was, difference? But the difference, I, I don't know what the time difference from London is, but like basically it's probably like eight hours ahead but it was nighttime right it oh, was like okay. a normal nighttime yeah it was like 3 yeah. 4 a.m where i am i completely missed the final yeah. but i i re i like rewatched it earlier <laughs> like during a normal time but <laughs> we've got a lot to talk about today not only are we going to talk about the world championships of the pokemon trading card game but we're also going to talk about some news that came out of the pokemon world championships because every year if you are unaware maybe this was your first time watching worlds they like to announce kind of like the next card mechanic type deal next location um stuff like that so we're going to be mentioning a couple of those things today but before we talk about the world championships let us get into the lovely five star review as we go over every week that we have new reviews we talk about all the kind words that you've left us top tier pokemon tcg content this was left by fletchling pokemon this is a person i've actually met before sean um you know i it was when i went to full grip actually i met fletchling Oh, um, nice, so that nice. was really cool and they're a wonderful person I see them on Twitter now all the time I think they're starting to think about making content as well so Fletchling Pokemon go follow them on content they're a kind human being I've listened to a lot of Pokemon TCG podcasts and this one is far and away my favorite this show has a great flow the hosts have a very personable and a great team and the content is top notch for TCG players of all skill levels can't recommend highly enough fletchling thank you so much for the kind words friend we super appreciate it but sean you know we have top level tcg content i would say especially when it revolves around the pokemon trading card game but i think we can both agree that we were way off on what we thought would happen at worlds <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah i mean i mean we'll get into it but like to remind people who maybe didn't listen to last week's episode or, or you know, forgot. Oh, did you um, write down notes? 
Oh, I just remembered. Mm. I remember what we predicted. See, so, we did so uh, bad that I just kind of like blocked it out. But I know we did bad. Quick recap. <laughs> you you asked me, what do I think is most likely to win? I said an Arceus deck, which is like the most broad statement ever. <laughs> and, cause, what like, colors like, the sky, Sean? Uh, right. Some type of blue. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, okay, fine. Arceus, that was hedging my bets quite a lot. Um, and then I think you uh, were like, I actually think this might be the year for control. You know, Mewtwo B Union, super strong, right? And then when we said like, okay, what was the deck that we think is going to underperform? We both agree that we, we think Palkia might underperform just because everybody expects it. So Jake, do you want to run people through that top eight? Before we do that, though, let's give a quick shout out to all of the podcast hosts in the Pokemon trading card game that yes. that I know of, you know, when I was making and typing out the notes for this week's show. I wanted to give a quick shout out to the podcasters of the Pokemon trading card game that competed at the World Championships because like People have said, you know, there's a lot of Pokemon TCG podcasts and I listened to several of them and, you know, I support a lot of them are my friends. So uh, we Sean and I both support them. So we want to give them that quick shout out. Azul GG from Uncommon Energy finished 26th at the World Championships playing Ice Rider Palkia Bibarel. Uh, JW Creewall placed 44th. JW Creewall part of tag team, I would say is like the og tcg competitive podcast or at least the first one that i started listening to um with what we're gonna call the new adp sean that's what this deck has been dubbed nickname wise uh by ian rob so we'll get into what that exactly is later it's actually a really really cool deck and i'm very excited to talk about it riley halbert also completed but i don't know how they did or what they played because they didn't tweet the deck list or anything like that but they were there because him and jw got a picture together at world so super awesome and then kevin clemente lake of rage went 4-2-2 on day one so didn't necessarily make day two but after starting 0-2 they played it out and went 4-2-2 they were literally like one win away one win and one tie away from qualifying for day two so excellent job you know pushing you know even when you had nothing to lose you know just keep going a lot of people would have dropped things like that so super happy for kevin um playing radiant charizard in teleon which was a really really cool deck if you do not know that's one that we actually mentioned last week i made fun of them at locals for going oh two with the deck so it's it kind of something like that but i know his uh buddy from his locals that went to worlds as well did really well with the deck so it is a viable deck and then finally uh brent halliburton i'm sorry if i pronounced your last name wrong i just know you as brent that is from the trash Alanche podcast now brent did, i don't know if brent actually played at worlds but his son liam actually won the seniors division of the world championships with palkia so that's a big that's a big shout out so congratulations to brent's son and honestly his family i'm sure brent did a bunch of uh help in preparing liam for the championships but sean we gotta go into the results the world champion results so why don't i switch the camera for those of you watching on the video thing this is like one of the first times i've had to run the uh the logistics of the podcast and uh 
it's tough anyways big respect to sean but here is the top eight if you are watching this on youtube or spotify there are three palkia variant decks and i say variant we'll get four. into why there's four or i'm sorry not palkia. palkia i meant arceus i was oh. looking at arceus and i said palkia there were three kind of arce or arceus variant decks although they kind of all have the same thing with flying pikachu but there are some minute differences that really change the tide in the way of the top eight so we'll get into that more in a second palkia was also a part of the top eight to everyone's not anyone's surprise but us we were surprised i guess you could say that had four of the top eight spots so really showing us up telling us that we're dumb um but that's okay because you can't be right every single time we've been right on this podcast now we've been wrong so now you can trust us and then there was also a mu v max which i would say is kind of also an l for our predictions at least for me i said that mu has just really fallen off and you know it was a safe day one pick but not necessarily day two and beyond but this was the top eight. Sean, does it surprise you at all, aside from Palkia, I guess? <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I, surprise, I think the prevalence of flying Pikachu is the main surprise. Um, it makes sense, right? Like, because Palkia is so strong and so many people played it, the, you know, the players here who chose to play Arceus flying Pikachu specifically had a good matchup relative, right? It's not easy. But, like, it's a good matchup. And, like, yeah, they're going to do well. So that was a surprise, though, is, like, that all of the Arceus variants that made it were all flying Pikachu ones. Mm -hmm. And there was no Arc Intels, no other Arceus variants, just all flying Pikachu. I will say, though, in terms of the flying Pikachu, I mean, you see people of different countries here, you know, um, Japan and Czech czech republic i believe um that's where andre is from um you see two different countries so pretty much probably two different testing groups on here there were a lot of different teams i think that kind of had this idea about rcs flying pikachu and i don't know if they were all the same as we get more into the deck list here in a moment but pretty crazy in my opinion especially because we're going to take a look at andre's list and if it's not completely the same it's pretty close to it i believe someone uh ended up net decking this list in terms of watching the stream and kind of putting together this deck but here it is it is adp the 2022 version the sword and shield version of adp yeah because the first adp was in sun and moon this is rcs v star flying pikachu which is your p but the d sean hisuian decidui that is a card that i would never have guessed would have been in the world championship deck but this one specifically this adp variant plays the biberal engine sean and i have talked about the biberal engine we love industrious incisors drawn up to five cards makes you rock sand proof marnie proof and just is really really good draw engine i will say yeah. and this pretty much just acts as like a counter box 
um yeah in in my yeah. opinion i mean you start out with rcs v-star because rcs v-star can make anything good right and that has been shown time and time again and it's a really good way to accelerate energies and maybe get that first knockout and so then you choose between flying pikachu right for the weakness on palkia we found out in the uh, finals that Flying Pikachu has a weakness, <laughs> Flying Pikachu. So if you came across a mirror match, you know you could use Flying Pikachu against Flying Pikachu. And then the Hisuian Decidueye to knock out the Arceus or whatever else is weak to fighting Pokemon. Yeah. No, you're right. It's like, it's it's fun. Like It's, it's a weird counter box type strategy. Um, it's interesting too, uh, this list has four bosses orders, which mm -hmm. I think that the commentators on stream pointed out as well. Um, shout out to Joe and Wasi, uh, who commentated the finals match. Yeah, like the fact that there's four bosses in here means they really are relying on taking those weakness-based knockouts to outspeed their opponents. Because otherwise, you know, without weakness, we're we're living in a two-hit meta in many instances, right? Like unless you're getting like power tablets with Mu Vmax or like a full bench, you know, on both sides, plus a choice belt to hit with um, Palkia V-Star. Otherwise, like outside of those two specific scenarios, you're pretty much two hit KOing any of the V-Stars or V-Maxes in the format. So really saying, hey, I'm going to try to get around that in most of my matchups with boss. And also, I think I forgot to say the winner, the person that had this deck list and won the world championships, Andre Skubal. I probably didn't pronounce that correctly. They're from the Czech Republic, but congratulations to them for winning this. And I remember in the interviews and like on social media and stuff that this was going around. The biggest thing about this is Andre said, play Bib barrel play for boss he said those were kind of the difference makers the different eight cards that made the difference in you know the especially the top eight run and and you just mentioned you know the value of boss's orders to really capitalize on the weakness and to jump ahead in terms of the prize race and you know this deck is really really cool i would say i think i love how like you know, Azul won NAIC with the flying Pikachu Arceus, right? And then we thought, oh, you know, it's probably going to have a target on its back now. But then adapting to it and adding the Hisuian Decidueye, a card that I did not have on my radar at all, for sure. I can't even tell you what exactly oh. it does, but we can right now, Sean, <laughs> talk about real quick. What Hisuian Decidueye does. Hisuian Decidueye. We'll go over the V-Star just to refresh everybody's... Well, I will I will say, the very first attack on the Decidueye V did make a difference in a couple of matches that I watched. Oh, is, you know I what? That is true. The first attack of the V, I'll just say it real quick, it's Mountain Munch. I don't have it pulled up. I just know what it does. The first Mountain attack Munch. The first attack for one fighting energy. Search your deck for up to two cards and put them in your hand, then shuffle your deck. Not bad if you're trying to find specific things and maybe you're just forced to have a Decidueye V at the start. Maybe you don't have Switch or anything like that. But the second attack, close quarter shooting for 100 damage. This attack's damage isn't affected by any effects on your opponent's Pokemon. So you can basically get 200 damage um on like an rcsv to really finish it off or something of the sort but i'm gonna pull up the hisuian decidui uh 
V-star now. Jeez, Hisuian is a weird word to spell, but the V-star, <laughs> this is kind of the big kahuna. So it has the V-star power with the ability Star of Fortune. During your turn, you may draw cards until you have eight cards in your hand. Sean, I don't recall anybody using this over Starbirth. Do you? I mean, I didn't see anybody use it on stream. I, you know, wouldn't surprise me if it got used once at some point in the game. But yeah, like, I would say maybe like, you know, in the in the early parts before Top Cut or anything like that, maybe used it once because, you know, just like draw until you have eight cards in your hand can be a really, really good V-Star power. It just so happens that Starbirth is way better. Um, but <laughs> yeah, the, the main reason why people were using Hisuian Decidueye V-Star was for the attack. For one fighting and two colorless, Somersault Feathers is 160 base damage plus. You may discard up to three energy cards from your hand. This attack does 30 more energy for each card you discarded in this way. You mainly will not, in my opinion, use that extra effect to get extra damage because 160 times two on the hit on Arceus is 320. I, I feel like the main reason that you would use the discarding extra energy cards from your hand is just if you know you needed a little bit more to finish off another Pokemon that's not necessarily weak to fighting, but that's what that card yeah. does. Two retreat costs, weak to psychic, which was not relevant at all except for Mew, but Mew's probably going to one-hit knockout you anyway, and if you see a Mew, you face a Mew, you're probably not putting Hisuia Decidueye V in play, but really, really well, cool. Important, yeah, I, I mean... I will also say, important to note on that, though, like, you can... Like, what I saw a lot of people do is they would um, RCS attack and only put one fighting energy on and nothing else, mm -hmm. because... To your point about weakness, right? You can on your next turn attach a double turbo. And yeah, you're only doing 140, but 140 times two is 280, which still knocks out the RCS V Star. So you only need two energy attachments on it to get the knockout on the RCS as well. And people would do that same thing with the flying Pikachu, right? Because with that same yep. concept, you just attach one lightning energy. The rest of that cost for flying Pikachu is double colorless. So you just attach the double turbo. And when you're hitting Palkia for weakness, 320, oh, you're only doing 280. It's going to knock out a Palkia V-Star because usually their choice of items, which we'll go over later, is like choice belt, tool jammer, things like that. So you don't have to worry about big charms. So very very cool list in my opinion this was such a cool surprise this is what i really loved about the world championships is surprises like this you know innovation ideas even though it's somewhat of the same deck that we've seen before it's the adaptability on that but we gotta go into the second place finisher sean daichi shimada from japan second place also with ADP, and when I say ADP, it's not necessarily ADP, it's an Arceus, well, actually, no, it is ADP, but it's a little bit different. Anyways, let me get into it. Arceus, V-Star, Flying Pikachu, Hisui and Decidueye, but only playing a 1-1 in comparison to Andre's 2-2, but instead of playing B Barrel, a 2-2 line, opted to play Jolteon. Sean, do you remember what this Jolteon is? I do. It says that your opponent's water Pokemon, 
its abilities don't their opponents water pokemon's abilities don't work basically that's essentially what it is especially if you attach the memory capsule to it that is how you activate that ability and um daichi's list playing three of them and so pretty much almost the same thing except switching out Barbarrel for the Jolteon, which in favor, if you're Daichi versus Andre, the favor goes to Andre because they don't play water Pokemon with abilities, right? So except a one Lumineon they do. But so that allows you to get a little bit more value out of your support Pokemon. So the Jolteon not coming through in the end, but this again is another innovation that was really, really, really cool in my opinion to see this, this playing three bosses orders. So not very far off of the four, but I think a lot of people were playing either like two, three or four bosses overs but also had another attacking option in this sean it had galarian moltres v the old and faithful galarian moltres v you did play a couple dark energies in here two fighting two lightning two dark two memory or i'm sorry not memory two capture energies and then four double turbos capture energy the most expensive energy card in its uh basic rarity as sean likes to mention and so again just a lot of options a lot of coverage with this sean an incredible credibly cool list i feel like yeah that jolteon by the way like just just pointing out how important that jolteon was throughout the whole tournament because you think about it right how many decks are playing the inteleon engine a and lot yeah and that for for the listeners who don't know like that is the reason this jolteon is played because you know, you turn off that Inteleon engine, you already have a favored matchup, I would say, in many ways against Palkia. But mm -hmm. you turn off their engine, and it's just not even a game, right? Not only that, you also turn off Palkia's uh, ability, which allows you to attach three water energy from your discard to your Pokemon. Exactly. So you, like, it, it's like it, it's basically doing Path to the Peak Plus in that deck. It turns off the Inteleon engine inside of the Arceus Inteleon decks. Like, you know, I think it's a really good meta call. And it was just, you know, pretty, I don't know if it's unfortunate, but pretty strange that he ended up facing <laughs> kind of a, a pseudo mirror. So like the one card that got him all the way there, maybe, or, you know, the one uh, strategy didn't end up mattering in the, in the, the final match. And you know what? I mean, it's a good run anyways for, you know, the deck second place. I will. I don't think I'll ever complain about second place or <laughs> yeah. being like, man, I should have played the Barrel version. But, but super, super cool, in my opinion. They're pretty close to the same list outside of, you know, the Barrel engine versus the Jolteon shutdown engine and, you know, like an extra attacker in there. So really, really cool to see. It, it was also really cool. I don't know if it was Daichi or uh, Ryota Ishiyama who were going to um, who actually got third another player from Japan. Pretty much the similar a similar list. I don't know if it's identical because we're recording shortly after the world championships have ended. Yeah. Um, so we don't have like every single list as of right now, but um i i don't know if it's exactly the same but i remember there was a player playing this list you know rcs v star with the jolteon and there was an interaction that just went on with the uh empoleon v somebody was playing in Empoleon v where if um 
I think it's like if it's in the active, it shuts off all your opponent's non-rule box abilities. But because yeah. of the Jolteon with the memory capsule having on before the Empoleon came to the active, it I there's there's such a weird yeah. interaction with those, and it'll I think it actually no I don't even know. No, the, the Jolteon supersedes the Empoleon, is the point. Yeah, it, it's just yeah. an absolute mess, and I'm glad I'm not a judge, because I don't know if I would have been able to figure that out. So shout out to the judges as well for hosting a fair championships, you know, and, and giving correct calls on that. And as I mentioned, again, you, Ryota Ishiyama from Japan finished third with a pretty much identical list, we believe, up to this point. And then moving into fourth place, because, you know, fourth place finalist, James Cox from Australia playing Palkia Inteleon. So this was pretty much the top Palkia deck. So we're going to take a gander at it, look at it real quick, see if anything is different, fishy, um, sort of a surprise, I would say. And the only big surprise that I think is really different at all is the crabominal beat creep crab crab say that five times fast crabominable v. v sean do you remember what crabominable v does uh i want to say it does more damage based on the amount of damage counters on your opponent's pokemon that is one of them there are two attacks on this crabominable v this 220 hp basic v the first one trigger avalanche for one water energy discard the top two cards of your opponent's deck i believe personally that this card was placed for the mewtwo v union matchup truthfully hmm. um because it can pretty much turn off the mewtwo v union matchup right because they cycle through you know healing and using silene a bunch and they relatively have a card of like one or two or they relatively have a deck of like one or two cards so being able to just trigger avalanche and completely shut that down maybe emptying their deck by a surprise is pretty good i would say so that's what i think it's in there for but you are right there is a water water colorless attack destroyer punch for 90 plus this attack does 60 more damage for each damage counter on your opponent's active pokemon especially sean like you were saying with palkia's ability it's v-star powers uh star portal i believe it's called attaching mm -hmm. three water energies from your discard up to three water energies from your discard pile to your pokemon in any way you'd like you can go in and hit a destroyer punch right away to knock out maybe a pokemon that has a lot of damage counters on it but doesn't have a lot of bench pokemon so palkia wouldn't be able to knock it out so very very cool you're playing the radiant greninja battle vip pass cross switchers big big things in this deck playing the tool jammer and choice belt so i was right on there it was interesting because i watched the top four match and we if you didn't see the metapods tweet about it let me actually pull it up now that i'm thinking about it we actually i made a funny tweet about it on the metapod podcast it's like our best ever performing tweet almost i would say um there was a moment where james prized six pokemon sean oh my oh six my. pokemon at once and so if you see in james's list oops it's refreshing if you see in james's list he did play a hisuian heavy ball so that hisuian heavy ball really put in some work but 
this was the this was one of the wackiest prize prize mixes that I've uh, seen personally, and it, it was absolutely hilarious. But Sean is is this kind of what you imagine Palkia V Star would be in terms of a deck at Worlds, just kind of the old faithful, or did you uh, did you expect anything a little different? No, I mean this seems about right. Like you said, like the 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 small differences here are the crabominable. I think the I think not all Palkia decks are gonna opt for Zigzagoon or quick shooting anymore. Mm -hmm. Um I think some decks might find space, not play the quick shooting. But again, if you have Crabominable, um the the Zigzagoon as well, if you're gonna play the scoop up nuts, it really is useful because if you're trying to stretch to hit that knockout, like you said, maybe your opponent didn't bench one extra Pokemon or you're just off on the damage by a small amount. Maybe Choice Belt's not available. It can't get you there. Um, yeah, those little math fixers, I think, help Palkia quite a bit. Um, but otherwise, pretty pretty straightforward. I think, you know, just seeing the um, seeing the Radiant Greninja in action, really putting in work, getting two prizes off of any of those, like, bench sitters, like those Pumpkaboos. All those little Eevees, you know? Eevees. Yeah, like being able to like you see an Eevee come down on your opponent's side and you're like, I need to get rid of that. <laughs> yeah. And then you can yeah, you can like, okay, I'll use the ability of uh Star Portal now, power up this Radiant Get and just snipe the Eevee and something else on the bench and just take care of that problem before it becomes one. It, you know, really good strategy there. And it's likely that you're not going to be using uh Moonlight Shuriken, I believe it's called, whatever the attack mm -hmm. is on the Radiant Greninja. It's likely that you're going to only be able to use Radiant Greninja for that attack one time, right? Cuz it it's three energy costs is just super tough to do in a single turn outside of Star Portal. I think it's actually impossible to do in one turn outside <laughs> of Star Portal. But anyways, to my point, you know, even if you're just delaying an Eevee for, or well, that Jolteon with the memory capsule for one turn, right? Maybe they had an Eevee down, they put it down their last turn, and so you knock it out, they put an Eevee down right away again. You still had a very valuable effort in saving time and collecting multiple prizes probably, or setting up a prize. I saw this a lot with the Radiant Greninja attack, setting up damage on something like the Pikachu VMAX, you know, the flying Pikachu V or VMAX that was in place, setting up that damage so then the origin form Palkia can come in and blast it with its attack. And so I thought that was really, really cool. You know, you bought yourself an extra turn, but that extra turn that you bought was super valuable to use your Shady Dealings abilities. Um, I will say in your point about the Galarian Zigzagoon, it wasn't just one damage counter that it added to your um, field in the end of it. It's actually more than that because it's a benched Pokemon on your side. So really, oh, really true. smart, really, really smart. With, like works well with Palkia in comboing with the skip with the scoop up nets like you said to where you could get like three or four extra damage on a uh, Pokemon to help reach that knockout so just a little cool thing you know the the next level deck builders really think about that maybe Sean and I would not have guessed right away but you know what that's why we tell you about the decks and explain it to you after the fact but Sean, there was a lot of other things in these world championships, including the Mew VMAX list. Andre Ch Ch Chiasson, I don't know exactly how to say it, 
um, but they're Canadian. They're from Canada. Sixth place with Mew VMAX. So let's just go over Mew VMAX. In my opinion, this wasn't much different at all to the uh, other Mew VMAX decks we've seen. Um, I guess the most different thing was that there's no basic energies, right? If you were worried about Arceus Duraludon in the <laughs> format, you know, you would have probably played at least one Psychic Energy, but Andre saying, no, that deck's bad. And you know what? It didn't really show up. So <laughs> I guess it worked out all in their favor. And then also the Echoing Horn in this deck. Some Mew decks play Echoing Horn, some don't. It just all depends. But Sean, did you think, you know, we had been talking about how, you know, Mew hadn't been doing super, super hot as of late towards before worlds you know um did you think that mew was going to innovate a little bit more did you feel like you know this version of mew is probably the best it's going to get i think this is until there's another card that comes out which i don't think there will be i think this is the best it's going to get i just the deck this is one of those instances where pokemon's design team like they made fusion strike a thing they made Mew VMAX reliant on Fusion Strike. They made Genesect's ability reliant on the number of Fusion Strike Pokemon, right? Mm -hmm. They made Meloetta. So, uh, they made Meloetta dependent on the number of Fusion Strike energies that go on Fusion Strike Pokemon. <laughs> right. So, like, it's a very neat little bow they built. But the problem with a bow like that is like it doesn't really have a lot of flexibility. The the things that make the deck really good, like power tablets as well. Um, and Eliza Sparkle, they don't work in any other deck, and no other cards work in this deck. So, I, I was I was not surprised that there's no innovation. I don't think there will be. Um, I think the deck will continue to be just an incredibly consistent deck that can hit really big numbers. You know, mm -hmm. if you high roll, and it just seems like Andre, he'd been from what I heard, he'd been playing Mew a long time, and he was just like, I'm gonna high roll. You know, I'm just gonna play a deck that will go really fast that can take out any of these V-Stars on any given turn with power tablets um, and has the potential to just donk your opponents. There was one game I think Andre had in top eight, maybe, um, where he, I think he rolled a Cram-O-Matic and he got a Tails. And if he had a Heads, the game would have been over and I'm pretty sure he would have won that series and gone on to top four. Um, and that, that just that's what it came down to, right? It was a Cram-O-Matic Tails that probably stood between him and top four but that's just what this deck is you know i will say the uh the one variation of the deck um there's usually a extra slot in a pokemon and sometimes that slot goes to oracorio right it fusion strike pokemon prevents damage makes your mu v max a little bit bulkier andre opting in instead of oracorio to put in pump kaboo not a fusion strike pokemon but you know, you, you've seen, if you're watching this on YouTube or Spotify, you've seen a lot of the lists that are not Palkia playing this Pumpkaboo because Path to the Peak was very, very prevalent in terms of the uh, the uh, Thingamadoo-da. The, the, yes, the stadium of choice for a lot of players. Thank you, Sean. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> stadium of choice for a lot of players and a lot of decks. So... With Path to the Peak shutting down Genesect V, you know, this is, the Pumpkaboo was an excellent addition that ended up working out very, very well from him. And speaking of Path to the Peak as well, um, Pokemon released a code for, um, for Pokemon TCG Online. It works on both 
live and the original ptcgo client if you want it it is worlds 22 london you type that in into the code section you know where you usually put your pack codes um you type worlds 22 london no spaces 22 is the number capitalization i don't think matters at all and you get a free gold path to the peak stadium card so i did it on i did it like yesterday or something like that and it still works you know it came out on thursday it's limited to like only the first hundred thousand redemptions or whatever i think we've talked about you know their mechanic of doing this on the podcast before and i don't ever remember it running out ever um so you can wait on it but what i think i think most people will be good like if you listen to this and you want it go get it now Mm because you also don't know like they may just turn the code off at some point yes exactly they may just turn it off after like a couple weeks you know because probably not many other people are going to be putting in that code and so it's wasting space and whatnot but anyways sean let's go into what i would consider to be my favorite deck from the championships it was the big surprise from adam hawkins of great britain placed 13th overall with rcs v star agron sean agron vmax do you know what that card does no i have no idea i don't either i'm gonna be looking it up so then we don't get anything wrong this was the biggest surprise in my opinion top 16 as well with this card that i do not know what it does it is a steel vmax pokemon 330 hp big beefy agron boy First attack for three energies, one metal and two colorless, cracking stomp for 150 damage. Discard the top card of your opponent's deck. So could be good in the Mewtwo V Union matchup, you know, with that uh, discard ability or even some other decks. I know Sander, um, one of my favorite players, he played Stone Journer VMAX. That's kind of a, not necessarily control, it's more of a stally type deck, but if their deck gets real low, you know, because they've been healing for a while and whatnot, you could just be like, get them out of there. Um, but the other attack, max takedown, two medals, three colorless, 270 damage, Sean, which is a lot of damage. This Pokemon does 30 damage to itself. And looking at um, Adam's list, Adam Hawkins' list, Different damage modifiers, Galarian, Zigzagoon, a pair of those in there with the choice belts. So not only can Arceus V-Star knock out, you know, little Arceus Vs, Flying Pikachus, Hisuian Decidueyes on the field, but Agron can reach up and start one hit KOing all of the V-Stars. Arceus can even potentially reach Mew, well, Choice Belt is 300. You would have to make sure you can ping with the Zigzagoon to get 320, but that seems very difficult, especially with the Fusion Strike energy, but still possible, you know, if, if you get lucky. But using the Bibarel engine as well, similar to the winning list of worlds, RCS V-Star and Bibarel, a top tier combo. Drawing, drawing, drawing cards, heavy count of bosses orders. This deck though, playing two Raihans, one of the only top lists playing like multiple Raihans that wasn't like a one prize deck. Um, very, very cool in my opinion to see that yet again. And Agron VMAX shot. <laughs> I, 
I mean, it hits big numbers, right? Like two seventy mm-hmm. is a lot, especially like you know if, if especially you have to in put an double... Arceus, in Arceus and Palkia heavy meta, right? Yeah, like, and if you if you have to put a double turbo on, it goes down to two fifty, but then the choice belt pumps you back up to two eighty, which is exactly what you need for Arceus and Palkia. Um, it is Im- basically impossible for Arceus and Palkia. You're, they're not going to one shot you, mm-hmm. right? So, yeah, like. The the only problem you would run into with this is like, you know, the powering a second Agron up. I don't think, I guess, you probably just never do that. You go two RCS V-Stars, one Agron V-Max, and that's your, that's the line. Yeah, right? you are that's playing a two, you are playing a two-one line of Agron V-Max without any recovery cards in terms of like yeah. an ordinary rod or something like that. Yeah. So I mean, look, it's it's a beefy little stack for your opponent to get through. Uh, you know, congrats to Adam. I think my favorite Jake. We don't have to pull it up, but my favorite deck was definitely Radiant Charizard. Mm-hmm. Um, mostly because you know you think about like single prize decks um, and like you know how they. It's really hard to pilot a single prize deck to beat these really big, you know, V Maxes and V Stars, especially if you're not hitting for weakness. Um, you know, there's a lot of it's resource intensive to do that. But then you actually sit and think about Radiant Charizard, and you're like, wait, I can't play four copies of Radiant Charizard. I can only play one. Mm-hmm. So you're like, you it's your main attacker, and you have to play one. You assume it gets killed immediately, then you have to recycle it back into your deck, and within one or two turns of that, get it back onto the bench, fully powered up again. And do it again, right? And it's just like that. It's just so much. It just seems like a crazy idea to have your whole deck, uh, deck's attacking strategy be reliant on a one of. But several people seem to make it work quite well. And that was impressive to me. And one of the people that made it work was actually Ross Cawthon. So Ross Cawthon actually plays 15th at the uh, uh, World Championships day two standings, ended up placing you know top 16 with that and uh we don't have a list exactly right now there hasn't been one posted on pokey stats you could probably i don't know did he play on stream sean do you he remember did. he did so yeah, you could probably yeah so you could probably net deck him um if you watch back the stream to uh understand what exactly happened or what he was playing but Sean, we're going to get into some other kind of news that's come up in terms of that. That's all the decks that we're going to talk about um, because also before we get into this point that actually I'm going to make, rotation doesn't start until January 2023. So the list that we've shown you in here and talked about are great to start playing like right now. I mean, rotation doesn't start until January, so nothing's going to change. Lost Origin doesn't become legal for another month. Um, in terms of tournaments and stuff. So if you go to any official Pokemon events or your league is playing official Pokemon standard format, you know, especially after Lost Origin releases, you can play any of these decks that you can build and uh, you can make it work that way. And uh, again, shout out to Pokestats for always trying to keep everybody up to date in terms of their stuff, especially, you know, in crunch time, day of 
uh, these events happening. But let's talk about the post news of the World Championships. One of the things that I saw on Twitter didn't necessarily make headlines, but it was something that I thought was really cool and important. Sean and I have been very vocal about Pokemon TCG Live and how it's it's bad, right? <laughs> like, yeah, it's challenging. And one of the people that was at the World Championships, Kalos Network, the Kalos Network, they were over there and they found a table of the Pokemon TCG Live developers, the actual coders of the app. And they were sitting there and, you know, letting people talk to them about, you know, how it's going, what are they doing, things like that. Like, leave feedback, free to just discuss what is going on and i hope nobody like really heckled them or anything like that um because you know i never want to do that to an individual but the community has very been very open about how dis disappointing it's been and so Kalos network asked them some things and maybe sat in you know some of the other discussions that some other people had i'm not sure but they said at this table one all of the mechanics had to be written from scratch so they didn't get any help really from like direwolf digital essentially they didn't say like hey what did you code to make a card in standard format you know and they didn't just copy and paste it from pokemon trading card game online so that is kind of a cool thing transparency wise you know i mean i've never said that it's easy to make a game or anything like that i don't know a single thing about coding um, but I would imagine having to write all the mechanics from scratch is not an easy task. Sean, do you have any experience coding or anything like that or programming? No, no I mean, I, I don't. I'm not a programmer. I what I will say is like I I'm assuming that the underlying engine, I don't know exactly what that fully entails, but like that the underlying en engine of PTCG Live, though, the code base was just so different from mm -hmm. direwolf that it was probably difficult if not impossible to port and that's why it had to be rewritten from scratch now uh that that would make sense to me right because like the platform that it's built on is probably very different like the actual code base mm -hmm. um, and that to me makes sense the second point that they had mentioned was the youtuber fed the youtuber feedback was very useful if not brutal so I mean, again, the community is very open to talking about why we dislike <laughs> Pokemon Trading Card Game live in comparison to what it's hyped up to be, things like that. But this is really, really cool that they're aware, you know, the the videos that content creators have posted, Andrew Mahone, Azul GG, Celios Network, literally everybody, right? If you make Pokemon TCG content it's been helpful they're listening they're understanding you know the things that we like the things that we don't like and we mentioned the other day um or sometime on this podcast within the last couple episodes about you know an update to pokemon trading card game live that they made and how there are some things that are different you know the in the battle scene they changed up the space design you know the extra space mm -hmm. to fill it up a little bit more and not feel so bland or empty um so it's really cool that they're listening and i don't know if they'd be able to you know hear and change to all of our concerns but at least they're aware of it so then they have a base point of like you know priority list i will say if that yeah, makes sense good to know 
Point three, development is going well and the beta is giving them exactly what they need. I don't know exactly, like what, I don't. I, I mean, I think it basically is like, hey, we're continuing. We're not shutting the project down. Okay. Um, I don't know exactly like how that entails because again, I've never made a video game before in my life, but I think it's good to bring this up. I don't know if that includes the like survey that I had mentioned a couple weeks ago and linked in the show notes of one of our previous episodes they had like this pokemon tcg live beta survey that you could fill out and um i did a call to action for people to fill it out i don't know if they're referencing that in terms of beta is giving them exactly what they needed oh they're just referencing that the game the current version of the game which is considered in beta okay like all of the feedback all of the bugs that they're finding like the point of a beta is that you don't is that it's not a full release right so like Mm -hmm. you're not trying to say that this is a finished product um i think some of the problem though is like you made a beta of a game but then you had some people in some regions like you gave them the option to port their entire like inventory of cards over that you can't get back and like they warned people but like that just should never have been a feature that could be turned on if you really weren't confident that your game would would not be playable right like i don't know i have this like weird thing though like i guess the other option is to just make everybody start from scratch right everybody just has like a brand new account when they load in pokemon trading card game live beta right that's like the other option or i guess a third option is to just basically give everybody a demo account like a Mm -hmm. demo everything unlocked you know some people have those accounts they used to give those accounts out um to people where literally they have four locked copies of every single card in the game so then they never have to trade or go out and get stuff and they can build literally whatever they want um i guess those are the other two options that you could do but um i don't know i think personally i think if they just kept it like hey for this version your accounts are separate you can't transfer anything so you got to start from scratch but like that's not the point isn't to play the most competitive Pokemon immediately. Mm-hmm. The point is to test all the mechanics, right? Yeah. So like, yeah, to me, that would have been a safer beta, but you know, it's done. It is done. But the final thing that they had mentioned is new people have been brought into the team who worked on other card games. So this is a thing that you'll hear basically anybody who harps on pokemon trading card game live they bring up other card games such as hearthstone and things like that other online card games magic the gathering arena that do x y and z things and why pokemon is doing a b and c instead and how it doesn't make sense so really really cool i don't know what the team looked like before i don't know what it looks like now in terms of how many people came from other card games what their backgrounds were who on the team prior to this you know was working in other card games prior we don't know those specific those specifics or anything like that but it's always good to have new people brought into the team right who has worked on other card games and so that makes me feel like pokemon is actually willing to invest more into this and so it's not like they're actively trying to make this better right like they're not yeah. just they're not just saying deal with it take it you know no, like, I mean, it feels like, like they like, care yeah i mean i think at the end of the day you know who knows what the long term will be but the people on the team seem to feel like this is continuing we're going to keep working on it um 
You know, I don't know what the relationship with Direwolf Studios is, Direwolf Digital. Mm -hmm. You know, it very well could be that this has to work, you know, that like long term, they are not going to end up having a contract with Direwolf, that that's the plan. Um, who knows? You can always change plans, but like, I'm guessing that that was always the plan is to transition over. So hard to not. I will say, though, I, I mean, I don't know if I'll really play a ton of TCG Live when it comes out, right? But, like, I definitely won't play it if it's as bad as it is right now. Yeah, if it's as bad as it is right now, I will not play it more than likely. But you yeah. know what I am excited about, Sean? What is that, Jake? I the, think I know. I the think. new things that the Pokemon company has announced in terms of the future of the Pokemon trading card game. They announced the new mechanic. Pokemon EXs are returning in the Scarlet and Violet era that have been revealed at Worlds. And when we talk about Pokemon EX, we're not talking about the uh, like uh we're not talking about the xy yeah xy era of the exs we're talking like ruby sapphire type era exs and some beautiful beautiful cards that they revealed there's an advertisement right there we have coridon ex and miridon ex these are the two new box legendaries in the Pokemon training card game. And so I don't want to talk about, I don't want to talk about these cards and their effects too much right now. One, because we don't know what uh, type they are. We don't know their energy costs on their attacks, but also if you're watching this on YouTube or um, Spotify, you're watching the video version of the podcast, you'll see in their abilities that there's an awkward amount of space between the word basic and energy or basic and Pokemon. And the theory behind this, I don't believe, I don't remember who it was. It was, I think it was one of the Shemanskis that pointed this out that when this card gets fully revealed, because we don't even know the HP of these two Pokemon cards yet. So there's still more to be shown in terms of their, um, what they actually are. These cards probably only adhere to specific typings of Pokemon and or energies, um, which make them not as good as they look first glance if you just take this as law right here. Um, so I don't want to talk about them too much, but it kind of showed off, you know, what these EX cards are going to look like generally, along with a bunch of other cards that they revealed as well. They showed this really, really cool thing, in my opinion, of a basic EX Mimikyu, a stage one, stage one very clearly being shown here, not blurred out, darkened out, a stage one EX in Lucario, and then also, Sean, a stage two. So we are gonna be getting a multi-prizer stage two Pokemon again in the trading card game, them showing off this Magnezone and you can tell it evolves because just like the Lucario, it has the little text that says evolves from Magneton. So very, very cool. I know a lot of people were excited about this, Sean. How do you feel about it? Just first reaction. I mean, it's cool that they, I think they're sticking to two prizers, right? Mm -hmm. I think that they realize their mistake with three prize Pokemon. Um, 
you know, with tag teams especially, and then VMAXs. V-Star, I think, is a return. And I think they've seen a lot of success with like, hey, we can make evolving two-prize Pokemon worthwhile for people. Arceus V-Star, Palkia V-Star. Like, the whole tournament, aside from like, you know, Flying Pikachu and Mew, is dominated by, you know, evolving two-prizers. And these are going to, I think, be a nice return to like, your setup Pokemon maybe not being the beefiest things on the board and you're spending the energy. Maybe, who knows? I, I really hope that with this new stage two EX mechanic, um, I hope they bring back the uh, an old version of rare candy, right? Maybe it's a rare candy that lets you go from a stage one into, uh, from a basic into a stage two um, only for EXs more quickly. Mm-hmm. but like to me like that that is something that i i'm really excited about them keeping it at two prizers um so i think we'll see you know we, outside of that to your point we really don't know anything else of the mechanics but i i do think if people want to know what might be in store for the future of the pokemon tcg it might be worth it to go look back at ruby and sapphire era and see what other mechanics and rules and things they might bring back because pokemon seems to be doing a lot of that lately and especially with the terra stall i believe it's called the we talked about this a couple weeks ago on the podcast the new battle mechanic in the video games mentioned this is put my tinfoil hat theory on right now sean they mentioned in that when they were talking about this battle mechanic that pokemon's typing could change when doing this terrastall form right flying pikachu or pikachu in the video games when it becomes a terrastall version a terrastall pikachu becomes a flying type so there may be something in the future i don't know maybe uh, maybe maybe something like the uh the the radiant pokemon or um the amazing pokemon where it's just a couple sets they may have delta species or some former variants like that again which i would be so excited about sean i want delta species pokemon so bad in this yeah was delta species a product of the ex era the original EX yes era? it was a product of the yeah. original ex era ruby sapphire I mean, so I think that, honestly, I think that gives you some good hints of like, hey, if you wanted to make guesses, it's a really good guess. And I think a lot of people would be psyched for that. We do know a little bit of the HPs of at least the three Pokemon provided. The Mimikyu has 190 HP. The Lucario has 260. And then I, it doesn't show on this, but I'm like, when I think about it, I'm like, 87 percent sure that i saw somewhere that magnazone had 330 hp um yeah i i I don't i heard that too i don't have that in front of me but i i'm pretty sure i saw that on twitter so very very cool oops wrong screen very very cool in my opinion and very very excited for the cards i mean i'm excited that the ex mechanic and some of those cards are coming back because as someone who's been playing for a couple years both you and i sean we didn't play during that time you know when the ex of ruby and sapphire first came out so now having it come back you know kind of feels like we're not gonna have missed anything really except delta (laughs) species 
I think it's but I think it's smart for Pokemon to bring things like this back because I do think that EX era and maybe a little bit before that, I, I think the game has become so much more popular in the last six or seven years. And play. different in general. Exactly. And so like now you can introduce, like you can re you can breathe new life into all these old mechanics that a whole new generation of players, both young and adult, just never got to experience. So makes sense. And even if it's somewhat of the same, maybe you're like, oh my gosh, why don't they just create new things instead of bringing back these old things? I feel like it's going to be different enough to where like, it's not going to feel like you're playing in 2008 or whenever Ruby Sapphire Delta species stuff was going around, that EX era was going around. I feel like it's going to be different enough to where like, if you did, you know, maybe you have been playing for a long time like that, like uh, Michael Pramawat, right? Mm -hmm. Um maybe if you're like michael like it feels different enough like it gives you some nostalgia sure but it's different enough to where you still feel like you're playing a new format you're not like repeating a format but sean that wasn't the only thing announced at the world championships i would ask you if uh <laughs> i would ask you to take a guess where pokemon worlds 2023 would be but i i think you already know um so i'll give the listeners a couple seconds leave a guess about where you think it's going to be i'm going to give you five four three two one it's going to be a yokohama japan sean i'm gonna go nobody's gonna stop me i'm going to worlds 2023 i mean i have to I will, jake jake i have to I, I i i applaud you go the person who might stop you might be the japanese government you're yeah but anyway i mean i was i mean we can get into it i mean i i won't i won't get too far into it the the logistics can be thought of later at a different day just let me live in my euphoria now but anyways anyways going into this pokemon 2023 worlds was announced in yokohama japan it's the real life inspiration for vermilion city's red or Ver, vermilion city in red and blue and so you know they make this yearly announcement all the time now we don't know the exact dates of when worlds is going to be it was probably like late august or whatever but we don't know the exact dates in 2023 but that'll be announced we don't exactly know, but it'll probably be around January. TPCI made the official release for 2022 Worlds in terms of the dates in March. But, you know, a lot of people are worried that March isn't soon enough in terms of, uh, in terms of an amount of time to plan and stuff to travel across the world. And uh, I would just say to that we're still in a worldwide pandemic i feel like um so even though it's getting better and even though we've managed it a lot more i think there is still always that chance that worlds 2022 is going to be canceled right i still think like i don't think that was out of the realm of possibilities you know i think they planned on potentially that may happen if the worst came to worst um but I think we're at a point now in the world that we can securely kind of say in 2023 at this point, you know, there are definitely more regulations in different areas of the world, including Japan, um, that you'd have to follow. And so that's why I think that TPC and TPCI is going to announce way earlier than March, you know, in terms of these specific dates. So then people can 
act accordingly and have plenty of time to be able whether you are someone that plans on qualifying for worlds which by the way we don't know the point structure yet we just know that cups and challenges are not going to be a thing but we do know about the regional list which we won't get to today we'll get to in a different podcast uh in a future week but i mean i'm so excited sean i don't plan on qualifying for worlds because i don't have enough time to play i got a full-time job that pays for my eyes my teeth you know my heart stuff like that so that takes priority on my weekends but I'm definitely going to try to go and uh, and at least, you know, go to Japan, right? I mean, yeah, I, I part of me would love to go. The other part of me is like making a trip to Japan is a big, big. You yeah, know, that's a huge commitment. commitment. Huge. Um, and I'm also like, if it is in August and I'm going to tell anybody this who's considering this, like if you're going to go all the way to Japan, you probably want to spend a little bit more time there, especially if you're from the Western Hemisphere mm -hmm. um, or even Europe, honestly. Uh, but August in Japan, in Yokohama, is going to be hot. Yeah, it's going to be so hot. hot. And there have been heat waves in Japan this year that were, like, record-breaking. Who knows what it's going to be next year? But I'm like, I don't know, man. Like, it's, like, I don't know if I want to, like, commit to a two- to three-week vacation in Japan. Like, if I'm going to go all the way there, right? In the middle of August. Now, I say that while sitting in Seoul in the middle of yeah, August. Yeah, Mr. Korea right now. But but it's like, it's very warm here. And Yokohama, I know, is hotter. And so I'm just kind of like, uh, it's, not the, it's not the most ideal time of year to travel there for vacation. Obviously, that's not Pokemon's main concern. But it, I think is going to, that amongst many other things, is going to make it very challenging for some. But hey, Shout out to all the Asia, Asian, like, you know, players and, and, and Pokemon even Australian fans. too. Yeah. You know, Australia yeah, all, all now has a huge accessibility to the world championships, right? Whereas before they yeah. pretty much have to always travel because not yeah. very many events are held in Japan or near Japan. So being in Japan is just, it, it's got to be super nice for them. Yeah. And, and you look, you got to hope that like, it being in Japan, the Jap the Japanese arm of the Pokemon company, like the, the big daddy mm -hmm. version, um, that they will probably like want to really do it up big. The city of Yokohama is gonna probably do it up really big for Pokemon. Like that's a lot of these districts, like they they want this tourism. So I think it will be quite a spectacle, even compared to London or any other place it could have been held before, because Pokemon is just such a bigger part of the Japanese community in many ways. Mm -hmm. Like, because the company is there, right? Um, it's the main headquarters so think, of Pokemon. Exactly. So I think if you can make it out, you will probably be treated to the biggest spectacle of Pokemon that, that you won't find anywhere else. So, And, I mean, personally, I think it's best case scenario for like me personally to go as more of like a spectator like i do not plan on getting my invite you know mm -hmm. i may try to play in the open or something like that you know but i'm not going to try to go and qualify for the world championships so because i want to go and like i want to go just see all i mean you look around my room and you probably could guess that i want to go to japan before this was announced so like it was it was like 
perfect timing almost it was it was just like pokemon looked at me and they were like let's get this guy over here and so they were like here's another reason to go um but yeah it's not as easy as just saying i want to go to worlds yeah yeah but there are many other things yeah yeah super super cool well sean do you have anything else that you want to mention in this podcast no I mean, if, if, if there are any listeners in Korea who hear this, in South Korea, in Seoul specifically, <laughs> and you want to hit me up on Twitter and tell me where to go and what to do or whatever, hang, um, whatever, I'm, I'm here. I doubt it. I don't think we have any listeners from Seoul, Jake. But I don't know either, you know, but you never know. You never know. You never Message know. Sean on Twitter. There. Message Sean on Twitter. Yeah. Add Gyro Sean. You can see it down there on screen if you're watching this video version. Or at Metapod TCG, if you would rather message us on the Metapod podcast. The uh, regional schedule has come out, and the Origin Lost Origin set list has also come out in the last couple days or so. But we're going to save that for another pod, because Sean is busy on vacation, so I don't want to take too much of your time. And we want to dedicate, especially to the Lost Origin set list, we want to dedicate a full cast to that, right? A cast of it, because... There's probably not going to be a lot of news in the next couple weeks, you know, just after post-world. So thank you so much for listening to the Metapod Podcast, the Pokemon Podcast that revolves around the evolving meta, around the evolving world, revolving, evolving world. You know, we're here on one side and over on the other side of the world, and we hope you have a great rest of the day.